Hi there, and welcome to the Grief and Rebirth podcast. I'm your host, author and trauma survivor, Irene Weinberg, here to encourage you wherever you are in your healing journey. In each episode, I chat with incredible grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and celebs, as well as remarkable people who have inspiring healing stories to share. If you're looking for a podcast that's both uplifting and inspiring, you've found it. Let us help you find your joy in life. Hi, everyone. I hope this finds each of you well. And wow, have I got a treat for you today. About 15 years ago, my dear friend Betty Champel and I traveled together to Carlsbad, California, where Betty introduced me to Marilyn Kapp and her husband, Harry. They were a lovely couple with a wonderful family and an extra special perk. Marilyn was a highly regarded medium. So of course I asked her for a reading and she graciously complied. What an extraordinary experience. My husband, Saul, who had died next to me in a tragic car accident, immediately came through Marilyn to communicate with me. It was as if Saul was sitting next to me, chatting with me like he did when he was still in his body. I was quite familiar with channeled messages because my book, They Serve Bagels in Heaven, contains channeled information from Saul. But what impressed me most was how accurately Marilyn conveyed Saul's personality, intimate details about our life together, an awareness of my current life circumstances, and most important to me, Saul's incredible, colorful sense of humor. Marilyn even validated information I had received for, from Saul for my own book. It was an incredibly special reading for me, providing me with many smiles and tremendous comfort. Fast forward to today, and my friend Marilyn is now a beloved, respected medium to many celebrities. Her impressive client list includes winners and nominees for Oscars, Emmys, Grammys, Golden Globes, People, People's Choice Awards, Directors Guild Awards, Writers Guild Awards, Outstanding Achievement in Casting Awards, and International Film and Music Critic Awards. She has channeled for New York Times number one best-selling authors, producers, directors, actors, television network executives, entertainment lawyers, agents, managers, casting directors, and she's no snob. She also does makeup artists and hairstylists, internationally known authors and artists and world-renowned physicians, including those with Patients Care Award and Compassionate Doctor Recognition Awards. And by the way, if this all isn't impressive enough for you, she's also channeled Albert Einstein, Lucille Ball, Wayne Dyer, Louise Hay, and of course, Ellie Wiesel. Now Marilyn has come out with her own wise and profound book titled Love is Greater Than Pain, Secrets from the Universe for Healing After Loss. In it, she shares her keen understanding of the afterlife and the beauty in the transition from the physical to the spiritual plane, helping those who are dying as well as those left behind. And by the way, here is a fun fact from Marilyn's past. She has danced with tap dance legend Leon Collins and shared the stage with Gregory Hines, Savion Glover, and many other tap masters. I have absolutely no doubt that Marilyn's wonderful, loving insights are going to dance their way into your hearts. But first, let's take a quick minute to show some love to our sponsors. And now everyone, I am so very proud to introduce you to my friend, Marilyn Kapp. Marilyn, welcome to Grief and Rebirth Podcast. It is so cool to have you here with me today. Uh, thank you so, so much, Irene. And as, as you just said, we've known each other for years and I'm so excited to be a part of the work you are doing because what you are doing is just 
raising the vibration, really just offering healing on so many levels. So thank you. And I'm just delighted to be a part of that. Thank, thank you. you. I mean, this is the coolest club you could belong to. People who care yes. about people and want to see people heal. I mean, it's, it's just, I'm so humbled by it. And it's just wonderful. And I get to be friends with people like you. How, how great is this? So I, have, I want to start our interview with this for question. Please tell us about your first experience communicating with your grandfather when you were only two years old and how this communication continued throughout your childhood. Well, when I was two and a half years old, my grandfather lived with us. And one day he got up and he would get up every morning and do his ablutions, get ready for the day. And, um, and one day it was unusual. He got back into bed. He was dressed and shaved and he just went to lie down. Now, how and old was he at this time, Marilyn? He was about 81 or two. And so I went and I stood at the side of the bed and all of a sudden it looked like he was rising up and he rose up and he looked just like he did, except his body was still lying there. And I didn't know that that wasn't normal. I, I watched him rise up and it felt like I could see him ascending and he turned and he literally waved at me and he assured me that he would be back. So I wasn't scared. I wasn't sad. And I don't think I even had a chance to miss him within days. He was back and sitting in his usual chair, usual, using his usual teacup. And I would talk to him and we continued our relationship. It got a little confusing when my mother, I would, I would talk about it and my mother said, well, I know he's here, I can feel him here, but I don't quite see him or hear him the same way. Can you translate for, you know, the way, you know, she's, you know, oh, tell me what he's saying. And I was very puzzled by that. I assumed that, you know, a couple of years had gone by. I thought everybody did this. So that was surprising. So, um, but she really mentored me that way and normalized it. And until I was older and in school, I thought it was very normal. And he continued to be in the house and talk and be my grandpa. How cool is that? Hey, honey, I need to make this decision. Ask grandpa what he thinks. I mean, well, that was so cool. It's interesting because when I was 13, we were planning to move. And we had a little family meeting with my parents and brother. And my mother said, well, ask grandpa what he thinks. Will he move with us? And I heard my grandpa laughing and saying, well, I'm here with the people. I'm not attached to the house. I'll go wherever you go. So we moved and he came too. And there he was. Wow. Yeah. That's, and, and you were really lucky that your mother was so understanding because a lot of people have gifted children, but they shame them out of it. Right. I, yes, I agree with you. I think all kids or most kids see when you're holding a baby, they're always looking up over your head. And I feel they're looking at the people who had them in arms before they came in. You can see, if you can see out-of-body people, you see the entities that are going to come in and the family members holding them. So yeah, they see. And so if it's encouraged, it doesn't need to go away. That's amazing. So now here's another amazing connection you had. You had your grandfather. And then while you were pursuing a Bachelor of Arts at Boston University, you studied doesn't everyone study with Nobel Peace Prize laureate and acclaimed author Ellie Wiesel, who becomes their friend and mentor? Please tell us about your relationship with Ellie Wiesel and how he influenced your work. Well, I had seen um, on PBS, I saw a play that he had written called Zalman or the Madness of God. And it was putting God on trial, asking God because I already understood at that point that love continues, life continues, but you look around and there's so much grief and there's so much pain. So I was having trouble with that and I would question God and here was this play and I thought, oh my God, this guy has the same questions I have. I'm going to need to talk to him. I need to know this man. Shortly after that, Harry graduated. Um, I think it was, yeah, he got his master's at BU before he went on to law school somewhere else. And Ellie Wiesel was at the keynote speaker at the graduation and announced that he would be teaching in the fall. I was going into my senior year, so I was able to sign up and take a class with him. And that man is just amazing. He's, he's just amazing. The first semester it was a great big class, a big you know lecture with about over 500 people. Second semester, he had 
between 12 and 20 students. Those, the second semester was always a small group in his office, and usually they were doctoral students or rabbinical students, and yet he allowed me to take it. I went and I talked to him and he said yes. Meantime, what was happening, even in the big lectures, whenever he would come in, I would see all of these out-of-body people, these light forms, these beings around him, and it was constant. It was really constant. So when I studied with him in the smaller group, things started to get really interesting. I started to pick up on his physicality, things that were going on for him. One day he walked in and my throat started to hurt. And I said, you know, he said, oh, I have a sore throat. Mine went away. Had a couple of things like that. And I thought, oh my God, I have to talk to him about this. And I, I don't know how to approach it. He's going to think I'm crazy. So I made an appointment and I mustered up all my courage and I told him, and I told him all about the out-of-body people. And I had a line all set so that when he told me I was crazy, at least I would make him laugh. And I said, so you have to take better care of yourself because you're killing me, because I was picking up on his physical stuff. <laughs> he did laugh, but then he said that he knew all about this stuff and that it wasn't that unusual and that it could be used to help people and that I should develop it. And that this was the big part, that it wasn't an affront to any religion if you used it to help people and for growth and for expansion. And I went on to grad school elsewhere, but he let me audit his classes for years. And it was, you know, it wasn't like we hung out outside of class, but he was always there. You know, it's interesting, one class, you had to be fluent in a couple of other languages because the books were not all in English. And I, I didn't know, he said, don't worry, I'll, I'll help you after class. Yeah, he, he knew your light. Your light probably even was good for him having you there. Well, I, I've come to understand now with the communication that's happening since he has passed that I think he did it too. He told me his mother, his rabbi, they all knew about these things. And so it wasn't unusual to him. He didn't think I was crazy or, or weird and he was so encouraging. And it, it was just, that was the turning point. It wasn't scary anymore. It wasn't weird anymore. And you had permission. You had yes. so amazing give you permission to develop this gift. Yes. And what I came to realize is that for so many of us, the things that we think are weird or that we're embarrassed about or that we hide about ourselves, when we're older, we realize that they're assets that we would never trade for anything. So. Wow. Do you think the people who you saw who were around him, do you think they were people who had passed in the Holocaust or loved family members or a combination yes. of that? What, what yes. did you think you saw? Okay. Absolutely. All the souls around him. He always had an entourage. I think that some were family members and the rest were people that were supporting and raising the vibration and wanting his work to get out there the way it has. And yeah, I think it was a real combination. And yeah. I realized that even after I told him what I saw, he was so comfortable with that. It's like, yeah, okay. You know. Okay, wow. Yeah. And that blew me away. And it was it was just so kind and inclusive you know and accepting and then if he wasn't enough then you met this other guy who was a qigong master and a healer dr cho wang and you had an apprentice an apprenticeship with him it happened very spontaneously i went to him first for some healing work and he would do qigong for about four hours and then he would do hands-on he literally now for those of us who don't know please define qigong Oh, let's see. Um, it's, it's an energy practice where you, I, I'm really not that well versed in it, but where you really, oh, so many people could do better with this than I can. But it's really learning to concentrate your energy and through movement, it's, it's, it's absorbing high vibration and then using it to heal, whether you're using it within yourself or outward. And it's probably not, I don't, I don't think I have the official definition, but that's what it felt like to me. It's, you know, a, it's, an, it's, an Asian, it's an Asian culture. Yes, yes, but it's harnessing. I don't even know if harnessing is the right word, but allowing the flow of energy to come through us for healing and to manifest healing. So I actually would watch him, and I've seen other healers do it as well, where they would do hands-on and they would pull tumors out and they would do all of these amazing things. And um, Harvard, this was in Boston, and Harvard was studying him. And I talked to... Um, my doctor at Harvard, he said, oh, we all know about it. We pretend we don't, but you know, it's not mainstream, but we know about it. So what happened with us is that 
I could see the auric field around somebody when they came in. So my job became to do a diagram of the auric field and sit in the other room while he worked on them. And I could feel in my body what he was doing. Come back in, describe how the auric field changed, describe what happened in my body. And then I could see the changes. So I was really a conduit. I couldn't do what he was doing, but he didn't see. So basically there were researchers there and, and Harvard researchers who were trying to figure out how to teach this, how to, you know, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing. They were just trying to figure out how to identify it through the senses. So I, I learned a lot, but the amazing thing that happened is that I'd be standing there and all of a sudden I'd be, you know, looking at the auric field, but I'd see a man's father, let's say, and the man's father would start communicating. I'd say, oh, by the way, your dad wants to say, and everyone was like, no, medicine, medicine, stick to medicine. And at the end of the day, when I would go downstairs, there would be people waiting and saying, what did my dad say? And that's when I learned how I wanted to manifest what I do, because I think when you're open this way, you can do it in a lot of different venues, as you know, you know, which you have done. And channeling, direct channeling was the most comfortable for me. Now, if, if medical stuff comes in, that's great. I love when that happens and it often happens. Um, but I love being the conduit with the love between the people who are out there, who are with us. And it's such a joyful thing. I know it sounds weird, but for me, it's like, it's channeling is joyful. And well, wait, I must tell everyone that when Marilyn channels for you, it is joyful. Well, that's, that's the thing. It's, it's every single kid I've channeled for their parents has made their parent laugh. The session itself is so joyful. And that's how the name of the book came about, you know? Um, I could jump right into that and share how that happened. It's, um, I was channeling for a mom whose son had passed. It was the fourth anniversary of his passing. Um, he, was, he was 32 when he passed. An amazing young man, just so full of life and still full of life, even though he's out of body. And he's channeling and chatting away and he's laughing, his mom is laughing. And all of a sudden, I just stopped and I said, you know, just the me part. You know, I just said, it's, it's unbelievable. Life doesn't end. Love doesn't end. It, it's continuous. It goes on. And yet while we're here, there's so much pain and there's so much grief, such a dichotomy. I'll never understand how, how, why? And this young man just looked over at me and he said, oh, I can tell you why. And I went, what? And he said, I could tell you why. And it's the secret to the universe. And I channeled it. I said it out loud to his mom. And he said, we go through it to learn that love is greater than pain. And he turned to his mom and said, if you didn't love me as much as you do, you wouldn't be in so much pain. And she said, that's right. And he said, it's the love and you have to constantly choose the love. And then he went on to say, would you pick another kid or someone else that you could keep longer? Or would you still choose me even though I'm out of body now? She's like, oh my God, I wouldn't change a day. And he said, well, then you have to honor that we have a different life now. You'll always miss the physical form. I miss the physical life, no question. But we have something different that we can do now, and it's continuous, and it's real. And when you're in pain, honor the pain. And, you know, we have to allow our grief. We have to cry. We have to allow. We're in the physical body. We have to allow it. But the real thing is that we grieve because we love. And if we choose love, and, and the amazing thing is that everything is vibrational. We vibrate at a certain frequency. So what's been channeled in over all the years is that people who are out of body, they're just as viable as we are. They just vibrate at a higher frequency. So they'll lower their frequency a bit to communicate with us, bring us signs. I'll meditate a little bit, get my frequency up. But basically, if we want to have signs and communication, it's about raising our frequency. So while we have to honor the grief and pain and allow it, we have to cry and carry on and hug people when we're allowed to without a pandemic. You know, we, we need to honor all of that. But the vibration, the higher vibration is what leads to more communication with those we love out there. And what is that higher vibration? All of God's bounty on earth. You know, babies, kitties, puppies, sunsets, the ocean, nature, art, music. 
it's such an amazing equation that divine consciousness has given us. When we embrace the beauty of the physical world, we literally raise our vibration to have more communication with those who have passed. And that's just perfect, isn't it, really? Of course, people want to know, how do I raise that vibration? But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. I know I'm jumping ahead. I'm That's sorry. All right. We'll get to that. But this is I get excited. And, and Marilyn, when you talk about in your book that every deceased loved one goes through an adjustment period with a life review that allows them this expanded understanding of the life they led on the, on the physical plane. Can you please share what the heck is a life review that everyone has to look forward to? And Absolutely. what is this newly increased consciousness that they're saying, I thought I was perfect just as I am. You mean I'm going to get better? So what's yeah, that all about? There's always room to grow and there's always room to expand our consciousness. And what I found, don't forget, I, I channel and I ask all, every day that everything be on the highest frequency for God's healing um, and in God's will. So... I see a certain amount. I'm sure there's much more going on out there. But um, it seems that when we pass, we're surrounded by loved ones. We're surrounded by, if anyone has ever been in a room with someone who is passing, of course, there's all the physical stuff we're feeling and the grief we're feeling. But I've noticed that, I know I'm jumping into something else, but if you've been in, if you've been in a room where a baby is born, that frequency, that energy, it feels the same when somebody is going out of body. And what I've learned is that when somebody goes out of body, they set the table out there to welcome us. There's a receiving party. Everyone is there to, you know, we really do go through light and we're received and it's all about love. Anybody who's had a near-death experience when they're ill, and I have as well too, not that very long ago, it's such overwhelming love. So what happens is we're offered this life review and most people are well-intentioned. Most people are kind and good. And yet when they watch a life review, we tend to, what I've heard from people is that they're crit critical of themselves because maybe I wasn't conscious enough or I didn't answer this enough. And it's an opportunity to really understand the motivation and to have more self-love because watching the life review, what I've learned is that we break down patterns. Let's say a person passes and maybe they had something in them that was abusive and they watch that and they're horrified. Maybe they weren't conscious or they tried, but then it shows them just when they're hating themselves, seeing this, it shows what happens when they were a child, they back it up to the childhood and they see that maybe that was a pattern that was passed down and they'll have a knee jerk reaction to want to go and hold the child, protect the child that they were. So the door is open to self-love again. Then, of course, maybe if it was the dad who passed that pattern down, they get to see his life review, where it happened for him. So while we're all held accountable, it seems that out there when we're looking at a life review, it's all about compassion and love and understanding the motivation. And that's where the healing happens because the next step in a scenario like that is this man will look and see maybe he has children. Maybe he, that pattern he perpetuated is rolling downhill, as they say. He will do anything to break the pattern and work with his children so that it doesn't keep going. They are desperate to help us, desperate for healing. So when somebody has a life review, they want to heal themselves. But it's really interesting if somebody is resistant, it isn't like there were devils in pitchforks, at least nothing that I've seen. Um, the motivation is, well, if you're too ashamed to look at it, if you do it, you'll be able to help your loved ones who are still on the physical plane. I've yet to meet anyone who didn't take the bait and do their work because the love is bigger than the pain. I mean, it really is. It is bigger. So whatever shame or not wanting to look at themselves in an effort to love, in an effort to help heal the pattern, not they, even if they didn't create it, but that they perpetuated unknowingly that opportunity opens people up to do their work out there. If you think there are pet therapists here, it seems like we call them guardian angels. We call them, you know, all kinds of things, guides. Divine consciousness is filled with entities to help us and to love us and to help open things up. And in turn, we can help the people that we left behind on the physical plane so that they can heal with us. That's beautiful. And I have a, and I have a personal vignette 
about that because when my husband first died, I went, I saw a medium and she said to me, she was describing someone waiting to talk to me. And it wasn't my husband who I wanted to talk to. It was my extremely abusive father who I was scared to death of. I was so afraid of my father who was so difficult that when he was dying, I was afraid to sit on his deathbed without Saul next to me, without my husband next to me. And I said to him, and she said, there's a man here. And she described him. I said, dad, get out of here. I don't want to talk to you. What are you doing here? And she's, he's begging me to listen. And I said, what is it? And she said, he's telling me that he is so sorry. He now knows what he did. He now knows what a bully he was. He now knows everything. And he's bay and he's saying that as you heal, he's with you and he's starting to also heal. And I had a brother who was very, very ill. And at the time I said, yeah, well, what are you gonna do about your son? And he got very quiet through her and he said, some of that is my fault. Please don't stop talking to him. You'll be able to help him one day, which happens to be happening now. So wow. that is, right, that is exactly what you're talking about, Marilyn. <laughs> and I still wouldn't invite my father to sit on the couch and chat, but I'm no longer as afraid. And I realize that I'm helping him also. And he's helping himself by, by doing all this. It's a, it's a perfect example of, oh, of what you just talked about. It's beautiful. Saul is saying, oh, you can trust him now. You've known that for a while. It's really something because they're interacting and they're learning and they help each other too. You know, so Saul has helped your father quite a bit. I'll bet he has. Okay. Saul, I'll bet. So let me ask you, how, so this is one way. And what are other ways communicating with us through a medium helps both us and our deceased loved ones to lift suffering and accelerating healing. Because we've just talked about what's happened to me, but all right, so people in our audience lost someone, they're thinking, should I talk to that person through, should I find my father, my sister, my brother, my husband through a medium? And what's that gonna do for me? And what's that gonna do for them? How does that help? I, I think it's a, a good catalyst to, you know, it, it's, I love being a conduit. I, I, I love it. I get to witness such beautiful healing, but I really truly believe that all of us have the capacity. So rather than, you know, the old adage, rather than give a man a fish, you teach a man to fish. But when you go to a medium, you get to have the experience of what that high vibration is. But I'm all about empowering people so that they can do it themselves. And it's all about raising the vibration. Um, when people have, whether it's a medium or whether they go to compassionate friends, a meeting for parents who've, whose children are out of body, I've gone to those and, and the children are all there and they're networking with each other about how to get through and they will find ways. So for me, I, I recommend finding whatever it is to help as a catalyst. If you want to ask about dreams, all, all you have to do is ask. You know, there's a story in the book about a, um, it's funny that you bring up your dad. There's a man in the book who, whose father had never been accepting of him. And, um, you know, he, he had a different orientation and the father never accepted it. And he tried and tried to get his father to love him. And his father died angry and would never open up. So this man, when I, when I met him, the first session we had together, his father came, his, he, he came in for the session and this older man came in and he said, I want to talk to my son. And he said, I don't want to hear from him. Exactly the same thing. Went back, I don't want to hear from him. I don't want to hear from him. And then this beautiful younger man came in and he said, will you just listen to him? He has something good to say. I'm with him. It's worth it. Please listen. And then when he gets out of the way, I'll come in. And this younger man was the man he was looking for. It was his, unfortunately, his significant other had passed. His father came in and said, do you remember six years ago, you went in, into a room, you thought you were alone, and you said, dad, out loud, you said, dad, I can't carry this anymore. I, and this, I, I need to love you. I forgive you. I love you. I hope you can love me, but I can't carry it anymore, and I want it just to be loved. Well, this man did do this. He, he thought he went in a room and just did it for his own healing. His father repeated every word and said, you gave me permission. I've been wanting to, I've been watching over you, I've been wanting to help, but I, I've been holding a boundary because I feel I didn't deserve to be a part of you. 
And when you did that, you opened up everything so I could come in and help you. So we're very powerful. Mediums, it's wonderful to go to a medium. We can channel for you. But every single person can just look up and go, hi there, um, I'm open, I forgive you. I, I, you know, you put out your intention. The one thing I really recommend is doing, you know, I do a mantra and I ask for protection and state my intention. And I can tell you what that is that I do every day or before a session. Oh, tell everyone, can you say it? Oh, uh, absolutely. Um, we clothe ourselves, well, you could use I or we, but we're together. We clothe ourselves in a robe of light composed of the love, the power, and the wisdom of God. That's the protection part. We wear it not only for our own protection, but also so that those who see it or come in contact with it will be drawn to God and healed. That's the intention part, that everything be for the highest good for healing, and that if there's any negative energy that we don't want, it's not allowed in. It has to come up to that higher vibration. So let's say I'm channeling for you, and let's say your father wasn't in that place of healing. I, I wouldn't pick up on him unless his intention is good and he's healed enough to really be about healing and love. I'm not going to channel him, you know, not because of my choice, but because of that mantra. And I, I recommend everyone do it and replace the words that feel, you know, if you don't like God, say divine consciousness or nature, whatever, whatever vibrates, whatever works for you. But that's asking that everything be on the highest good. And after that, you can open your heart and open your door and allow. So it might be dreams, it might be signs. And it, it's nice to go to a medium because we can download. I talk fast when I do it. Right. We download very quickly, we record it, then you can unpack it later. And it's a catalyst. But it isn't, it doesn't, well, I, I hope it's a catalyst for all of us being able to do it. That's the excitement. We all have the capacity. And so I want to empower through the channeling that everybody has this ability. Well, we're going to get to that because I'm sure people are going to want to hear your tips as to how to do that. <laughs> but I really want to ask you first, because this is a fascinating concept, that you talk about in Love is Greater Than Pain that a person's entire soul family rises in consciousness along with that person. And that healing takes place on the other side along with, I guess that's about like what, what's happening with my father along with loved ones on this side. Can you explain, so I guess we're kind of talking about this. Is this the concept and uh, for, it, with this concept, can you explain to everyone what a soul family is exactly? And as well as is healing, how does that affect the others in our soul family? Okay, what I've learned, and again, there's so much out there, but what I've downloaded and learned is we're pack animals like wolves. And a soul family can be six people, it could be 40 people. It usually is a group that is going through incarnations and lives together. People, are we souls who all came in together? Well, it seems to be, it seems from what I've seen that there are always people out of body and in body at the same time, sometimes our children, our parents, and of course, we're in and out of body at, you know, at different times. But it seems like we have a theme of what it is that we want to work towards. And somebody in the soul family could be someone you meet just once who's a trigger to really open you up and get you on the path. Others can be family who are so difficult, like your dad, but it has to do with, you know, his, he's saying it has to do with loving kindness and learning for him. He's saying right now it was learning to love the self. He had self-hatred. He had so much anger and fear that he had to keep control in any way possible because he was totally terrified of vulnerability. And that's well, why he told you as a child, I, I, I that it makes sense then that's he was so tough so he built walls and when somebody like that goes out of body they're horrified because their soul that wasn't their intention and very often children come in in the same soul family to help look you're in a place where you have love for him now where you've learned how to release angst and pain and let love be the driving force. So that's something that you did maybe much easier than your father was able to do for himself, but you're working together to do that. It doesn't mean we're coming and looking for trouble and looking for angst, but we come to the earth plane to have challenges and to learn who we are and to expand. So 
it makes perfect sense, you know? And we affect other people. It seems like there's a core group in the center and then there are other groups as we go out and we interact with each other. And maybe people come and grow from the, go, <laughs> that was a little Freudian, but come and grow instead of come and go from the soul family. You know, we do come and go. <laughs> yeah, come and go and come and grow. But it's, it's a really fascinating how we're all in whatever the theme is together and what i've learned from the souls that are out of body is once a group is out there or most of the people are out there together on the spiritual plane they'll decide what to do next where to go next how to bring it to the next level of healing and expansion and how to best affect others how to balance so best with, your, so with your parent in this life you may come back and now you'll be the parent or right. you can switch roles depending on what you're trying to learn. Well, let's face it, you've been you've become energetically the parent to your dad. You know, in forgiveness, in understanding, and in looking at his vulnerability and whatever way you're able to comprehend releasing your pain is such amazing personal growth, but it allows him to not feel, he says, as dastardly. That was his word he just used because he felt like he was a villain. He said he looked at, your father's very funny, by the way. And he said he looked at his life review and, and he was like, oh my God, I'm that guy. Like, and that was a persona he took on because he says, and I wouldn't even use these words underneath. He says he was soft as jelly and he couldn't let anyone know that. He had so much fear and so much defensiveness that he had to be tough and he had to lord it over everyone because he felt so weak. So when you are able to understand that, even when he's out of body, aren't you really parenting him? Yes. So it can happen technically and in our own lifetime. You know, it's all about releasing and loving, you know. It's amazing. Love is greater than pain. So yeah. now that we're speaking about people, what about animals? Do they reincarnate like we people do? And, and what about people right now listening who are grieving their animal friends? What guidance and comfort have you got for them to tell them? Well, right beyond the computer, my husband is petting a kitty who has been here before in other incarnations. Animals do, do incarnate just like we do. Um, the thing is that animals, because their life expectancy is so, so much shorter, they'll come back two, three, four times to us and they will find a way. Everyone is like, how will I know? How will I know? And all of a sudden somebody offers them, you know, like the kitty that Harry is holding. Sarah, our daughter had a couple of kitties she was very close to. They were both out of body. They channeled in exactly what they would look like. But of course they, they needed to be rescue kitties because that's how you get into our house. And before you knew it, all of a sudden, somebody was offering us exactly how they channeled in, what they looked like, their temperament, and now the kitties are here. Wow. So they do it. There's so much networking going on. We don't have to clutter our minds about how to do it. We just need to allow our vibration to go up to receive and put out our intention. That's all we need to do. They'll do the rest. That's the whole thing. You know, it took me years and years to ask for help. I'll, I'll, I just thought of something to share. I never channeled for, you know, when I first met you, I, I, was always, I always felt guided by divine consciousness, but I had never prayed for or channeled for myself. I had never done that. It never crossed my mind. And then I was diagnosed with cancer and told that, you know, the prognosis was not good and get your things in order. And all of a sudden I looked up and I looked up because my kids were looking at me and I thought, oh boy, I guess I better figure this out. And then I, I looked up and asked for help for the first time personally. Everything changed. Everything changed. And I think I'm a better conduit and a better medium for other people now that I've incorporated it. You have to allow yourself to be part of the equation. And I was amazed at how simple I looked up and I was like, oh my God, I need help and thank you. And they were like, it's about time we've been waiting. You know, the invitation is always there to help us. So, so we just- a lesson in that for you. That's oh, to you. Big time. And you can, and now you're paying it forward. Look at all the people who are listening to this. Well, yeah, but it's scary. It's very scary, but we're allowed to look up. I know that some people feel we're not supposed to annoy them out there or we shouldn't bother them with our troubles. And I've heard just about from every kid out there and just about everybody, heaven isn't heaven if we can't be with the ones we love. 
you know? I mean, one kid went into a conversation with his, his brother who was still in body about who was winning on one of those singing shows, I think American Idol. They were talking about the exact same conversation they used to have every week on the couch. It's, it's amazing. It's, it's really beautiful when you realize they're aligned with us and they want to help us and they know it's hard for us and they're grieving with us. Our well-being is their business. So when we allow them to help, we're co-conspiring with them for healing. We're doing it with them. We're helping them. And, and that's a really big thing that I wanted to share in the book. When we allow them to help us, we are helping them because it's very frustrating for them to look at us. They know we're grieving, but it's very frustrating for them when we're so shut down. And if we open up, even if we need to honor the grief and cry, of course, but if we look up at the sky or we look up and say, oh, okay, you know, just open ourselves up, they'll come right in and help us. They, they just want us to ask. Or bring us who can help us. Like uh, for me, when my husband died next to me, one of the lessons that I had to learn, I had three major surgeries after the accident. I, I was really needy and a good friend of mine just showed up and she said, what can I do that? I was like, I need help. Letting go of my need to control and having to be the main act of everything. I couldn't anymore. I had to let it go. And yes, you're right. People started showing up for me and helping me. And that was a lesson also in letting people gift me with their love to help me. I, I think that's why we have the opportunity to be on the physical plane. Out of body, we have all the help we need. We don't have challenges. We don't have fear. So there's this beautiful schoolhouse earth to come to where we have doubt and fear and, you know, it's scary. And then what are we going to do with that? Are we going to incorporate what our soul really knows? Who are we going to be? But it's a way that we get to challenge ourselves and grow. And grow and grow. So you have a lot of stories about how deceased loved ones continue to be with us. Are they okay with our marrying again? Are they cheering when their loved one walks down the aisle with the new guy? And are they also the ones that sometimes got them together? Absolutely. It is amazing. Um, I've met so many couples where, or, you know, the person that they were with for a long time has passed and then they meet someone else only to find when we're channeling that the person who has gone out of body their loved one who has gone out of body is the matchmaker they vet out there who we see they put things together they fix us up and the analogy that comes in very often is that if you light a candle you have so much light in the room if you light the candle next to it the first one doesn't get dimmer it doesn't go out that love is still there. We're capable of having it just be brighter. And the people that love the most are the ones that help fix us up. And they want us to be happy. They, they report that, you know, we're in the physical body. We need to have arms around us sometimes, if that's what we choose. We need to have what we have on the physical plane and continue to grow in that way, if that's the most beneficial for us. So they want to help provide that. And it's interesting, there's one couple in the book um, this woman, her husband had passed quite suddenly and she was going to finally go to a grief, a bereavement group. And she picked the day and all of a sudden she had the weirdest feeling not to go to the one in her own town, not because she didn't want to show her face. Everybody knew she had lost her husband, lost. They don't like the word lost either. Her husband had passed. They're not lost. They're with us. But she got this incredible urge, and she doesn't think of herself as psychic in any way, to go to a meeting in a different place in a different town. And she went there and met this man, and they hit it off immediately. It was like they knew each other forever, and they just started talking, and they started seeing each other. And they came for a session together, and her husband's right above her head, his wife is right, about, right above his head, and they're chatting away about how they fix them up, and they're going to get married, and and now they're engaged and they just bought a house together. Oh my God, how fast. It is amazing. So not only do they bless us for moving in that direction, they help us. They do. That's wonderful. Yeah. Is that the story of Maggie or Barry and Barry or is that another story you've got? That's right? that one. Yes. That's the one, right? I love yep. that story. And for people who want to know what happens to the souls of suicide terrorists and people who commit evil, what goes on with them? They can't just flap on over there and 
they got a life review, but there's, I mean. Well, there are a lot of people who, if, if it's because somebody is mentally ill, um, they're, they go into a form of rehab where they can understand what happened. Again, Do they choose I, to come in as mental illness sometimes? Do they choose that sometimes? Do you know? Yeah, that's a whole can of worms, but I believe yes. I've channeled people that, um, in fact, in the book, one person, her son was schizophrenic and he's since passed. And he talks about why he went through that and he wanted to feel unconditional love. And it wasn't easy what they went through, but they were doing, at the time of his passing, they were doing very, very well, he and his mom, and he learned unconditional love from his mom. His dad couldn't hang in there, but his mom did. And he achieved what he wanted to, and that was the unconditional love. So while it opens a whole big bunch of questions, I, I do believe from what I've seen, from what I've heard out there, that we manifest and align exactly what it is that we need to challenge us for the highest good. Okay, so now what about all these evil people who cross over? Whether okay, so, or not, some of them were just... Right. Okay, so if, if somebody just had not, so, not such great intentions, and they don't want to look yeah, at a lot... They were suicide terrorists, and they got on a plane, and they purposely... Okay. Yes, yeah, somebody after 9-11, I never thought to ask about that, but after 9-11, um, somebody asked, because I channeled in this man, what, what floor he was on, what was going on, the sm I could smell the smoke and taste it and, you know, all of that. And so they asked, where, where are the souls that caused this? And guides came in and they said that the souls who perpetuated these events, who caused these events, they, they don't even know that they've survived death. They're so unconscious at this point in time they were, what came in was that they were in their physical, during their physical life, they were disengaged from their mind. They were brainwashed. There was no logic in what they were doing. They were heartwashed, so to speak. They were disengaged from their heart. They had no compassion for the stranger. What we do to another, we do to ourselves really energetically and, and with love in, in terms of understanding humanity. But also on a gut instinct, they were separated from their own gut instinct in that they didn't value their own breath. The breath that's mouth to mouth resuscitation with divine consciousness. So they died in order to accomplish what they felt they were going to accomplish. Because they had disengaged from all of these, they were in a very, very dense energetic space. The only way, and I've read other people have, 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 after I had this experience, I read that other people have too. It feels like they're in this lack of light. Again, it's not devils and pitchforks. It's this no, lack it's of not light. Hell. It's just a very low lying plane, right? It's, it felt like black jello. It was viscous. It was heavy. And there was no light. And then it felt like I was able to see this. I wasn't immersed in it, but I was able to see it. Then it was like the camera pulled back. And I saw all these entities, angels, guides, whatever you want to call them, waiting. And they said, when they're ready, when they're ready, at any point in time, when they're ready to come to consciousness, we are waiting for them and we will help them. Now, I know they're going to have to deal with what they've done. There's, there's no question. But they can stay in that darkness as long as they like. They're not out running around out there hurting people. It isn't like horror movies out there. Right. Um, but the but the love and the light is waiting for them to reconnect when the soul is ready. So wow, interesting is that, which could take in some cases probably centuries. Um, I was told that for most it would be at least a hundred years our time. That's how disengaged. That's how and imagine once the soul recognizes the depth of what it's done, imagine, like, you know? So yeah, that takes time. Wow. But, but divine consciousness is compassionate. And again, it doesn't mean we should tolerate any of that. We have to have boundaries and, and you know, be good and help other people be good. But this is what happens. I was, I was blown away by the compassion of the entire system. But also I was quite relieved that they're not just running around out there you know yeah because i want to get out of the way of that so now this is a big question so you advise that love is greater than pain that we can each raise our personal vibration to increase health joy and the ability to receive channeled information and love 
give us some tips, Marilyn. I know we have to read the book to learn more, but immediate tips for us. Right. It's, it's as simple as just looking up and saying hello. It's as simple as asking a question. It's as simple as doing the protection and the intention and just saying, I would like to expand my consciousness. They're waiting for us. The right teacher will come. A book will show up. As soon as you ask, as soon as you open yourselves up to it, they're waiting to bring it in. Start noticing, say hi to grandma who liked birds. And next time you go out, a bird's going to come pretty quick. You'll notice that they'll bring birds and butterflies. Birds and butterflies are very high vibration. So they're easy for our loved ones to play with. Um, it's interesting because electricity is a higher vibration than we are. So they might flick the lights. It's easier for them to play with higher vibrations. So they might use electricity to get our attention. Now that there's digital technology, well then, that's a whole other can of worms. As you know, with orbs in pictures, you know, they'll show up. They can play with digital technology. They pose for their pictures. Yes, they do. I, you know, it, it's amazing. Uh, just incredible. And I, and I have a lot of people who love birds and, and butterflies. And don't butterflies stand for transformation also? Isn't well, that yeah. Valid? Look what they go through. They're really a great an analogy for what we go through in this life when we come exactly. into consciousness, you know? And it's so interesting, you know, it's interesting thinking about um, the, the, the life review. If you come into talking about coming into consciousness, when you raise your awareness, like what you're doing now, the work you do and communicating with your dad and the forgiveness, that's all the work that most people would do at their life review. You're doing it here. You're doing it here so that when the time comes in 120 years that you're looking at your life review and Saul has his arm around you and your dad has the other arm around you, you're looking at it and you've resolved all those things because you've done them here. And that's really a magnificent thing. That's coming into consciousness. So it's really lovely. One of the hardest things is when you channel someone and they say that you know, if you want to know what hell is, it's looking at a life review when you weren't conscious when you weren't aware, how they would love to come back and their kids might be tugging at them when they're busy and want to show them something. And no, no, I don't have time. And granted, we live in a busy world, but well, right now we have a lot of time, some of us who aren't in healthcare um, or are on the front lines, but we realize how we weren't conscious, how we weren't you know, available. And we wish we could go back and do that over. By raising our awareness, we do it here so that our life re review won't be hard for us. And that's ex exactly what you do. That's what you've done with your dad. That's what I've you done with so many people. In fact, I have to say, um, since we're talking about it, I mean, my, my mother, I told my mother from what I knew, from what had happened to me, and what I had learned that I talk about in my book, I said, you know, when my father died, I said, Mom, you can change the legacy of this entire family. There, was a, there were abandonment issues. There was a lot of pain and a lot of different things that gone on, which I now know were expressions of my father's rage and pain. And my mother said, what do I have to do? In her 70s, she's now 95 for that generation. She went to counseling. And she paid for a counseling session for my brothers and their wives and me. And my mother has made peace with her entire family and changed the legacy of the entire family. And now she has relationships with her children and her grandchildren. And now that she's at this stage of her life, everyone is gathering around, around her with great love. When in the past, people weren't talking to each other, they were hurting each other, they were suing each other. It, from all of this, she was able to heal. And it came from me because I said to her, mom, I can help you if you want. And she made the choice. What do I have to do? And that means when she has her life review, think of the rejoicing, the, the happiness, the joy, instead of beating her breast and going, why didn't I? 
you know so it's it's opening she opened herself up to be shown the way and then then ran with it and that's the beauty of why we're here that's exactly why we're here she transformed it she was an alchemist but when you break pattern you break it for everyone you break it for the ones that come after you for the kids and the grandkids and everybody in around you but you're also healing it for those that are out of body so when they say that healing happens there's a biblical thing that it it, it resonates out for seven generations i believe it, it does that on the earth plane but also on the spiritual plane as well the grandparents heal there's so much healing we're all a part of this and you know when you talk about a tip on how to do it just having the intention listening to this podcast having a conversation with your friend talking to the cat about it if you're if you're sequestered you know whatever it is that raises your vibration right there there it isn't mysterious it's just talking about it looking at the sky wondering about you know taking the initiative and actively choosing love over the pain that's yeah. what you did you chose love and when you do that and other people take it up with you it's magnificent and then the whole soul group heals right exactly i mean i i'm filled with gratitude that um i was the catalyst for this and i'm, I'm watching all this healing going on and as we talk about all this and how so many people are in tremendous pain right now with being sequestered and COVID going on and, uh, you know, the, the civil unrest and every, all of it, what are you getting from what you're channeling about what this is all about? Are you getting like a higher purpose yes. for, for all of this? Is it yes. a happy ending? <laughs> um. Well, you know, for so many people who have people transitioning, I can't really, I, I can't diminish that pain and that grief in any way. It's, it's And I just want to say, Marilyn, when they transition, they're not alone, even though we can't be with them necessarily. Their loved ones are they're all around them to bring them over, right? Right. They, the loved ones are always there. No, no one ever passes alone. Everybody's there. It's like being born. Your mother's there. You know, somebody's there. But out of body, they're all lined up. They're all with us. Um, it's interesting because I've come to understand that so much of the book applies to the pandemic and I didn't know about it when I was, my joke is that I didn't have a, a ghostwriter, I write longhand, but my ghostwriters are real ghosts who are channeling in and telling me what they want to tell us and what they want us to learn. And right now with the pandemic, there is a bright side, but I want to say it without with acknowledging the pain for every individual who's going through loss and suffering because we can't negate that at all. You know, we don't want to just look the other way and just look at the spiritual aspect. But the spiritual aspect is right now we're, this is unprecedented um, in, in recorded history that we have media that we can communicate with each other all over the world. People are suffering and scared all over the world. So around the world, people are looking up and asking for help. The need for help, even if somebody was never religious, they're still looking up and saying, why? What's going on here? The spirit world wants to help us. They're coming in closer. Our need is raising our vibration. Our need is allowing them to come closer. So all we're separated by is a vibrational frequency. So if our vibration is going up in our need and they're coming in closer, I'm being told and it's channeled in that if we want to have spiritual communication, this is the most... <laughs> It, it's this this is the most fertile time to do it this is our need is so great so we really have access to it and, and also it feels like everything is sped up and accelerated if we're if we have anger in us if we have fear in us everything of course is being triggered so we're accelerating our healing and we need to understand that even the people who are going out all that stuff that's going on here on earth it's real and we need to grieve and we need to allow all the pain of that but they're so close to us anything we didn't get to say because we weren't allowed to be with them you can look up right now right well when, after the podcast but you can look up and say hey this is what i wanted to tell you what is it you wanted to tell me and somehow some way it's going to come in it will come in somehow another thing that's fun oh talking about um digital technology, you can play with pod, with with iPods and with MP3s, you put it on shuffle and just say, tell me something, you know, I'll ask my mom a question, she'll cut off the song that's on and bring in the, the song that answers. That the is cool. That is worth my learning how to operate an iPod just to do that. <laughs> oh my God. It's, it's, a, it's a quick way to do it. But 
it's it's the ability to make contact now is the highest it's ever been our potential to do this but it matches up with our need and our desperation so that's the unfortunate part mm -hmm. so we are accelerating spiritually at an incredible pace that's and look at this this is mainstream now nobody said when i was a kid i couldn't talk about this i hid it again it was ellie was who told me you can talk about it use it to help people I, I kept it at bay because I didn't want to be weird, you know? I didn't dare talk about my experience when it first happened to Saul. Of I course. didn't at all. Now, here I am with a podcast and interviewing you, and it's totally right. different. And isn't it joyful to share? Isn't it as painful as that experience was? You're allowing the love to an expansion to help with the pain with what you're doing with it. And that's our potential. That's why we're here. So we have a constant choice. And it's always choosing the love over the pain while we still honor the pain. Absolutely. So we've sort of answered this, but Marilyn, from your heart of hearts, which is a huge heart because I know you personally, what would you like to share with our listeners about the importance of healing in this lifetime before we go to the other side? Why should our listeners go on their way, maybe to listen to the podcast, to see who they'd like to work with or whatever, and to try to heal their issues while they're here? That's a really great, great question because people who dig in their heels and really want to remain in fear, it's, it's pretty uncomfortable to be in that place. Once you don't know that when you're in that, you hold on to it as your security sometimes, a person might do that. But when you release it, everything opens up. And the thing is that if we don't do it here, what I've learned, and again, it, no, it isn't about punishing, but when we see our unconsciousness, that really is the closest to hell that I can imagine. So anything we do here in terms of forgiveness for others and for ourselves, and again, it doesn't mean not having boundaries. It doesn't mean not taking care of other people and ourselves and not allowing you know, negativity in. But we, we need to be vigilant and really look at, I guess, the flip side, the healing part, and look at every opportunity as what, it, what is this offering me in terms of healing? Why is this coming in that way? Why is, why is that happening? It's, it's very interesting because Elie Wiesel, I was not surprised when he passed from his physical body on the anniversary of my father passing from his physical body. That wasn't surprising. The day the book came out, we put marketing on hold because it was the Black Lives Matter day of the media blackout. And I just felt, I feel him hugging me, so aligned with Elie Wiesel because I remember him talking about the Holocaust and a lot of people associate him with that, of course, because he is a child of the Holocaust. In fact, he coined the phrase, I believe. But he taught that wherever it's happening, there were problems in Darfur when I was his student. And he said, we have to be vigilant and take care of everyone. It isn't about one group, another group. We have to take care of each other. And it happened to be Africa at that time. And a lot of attention and work on his part was to help heal that. And the synchronicity that my book dropped on the day that we're just not going to advertise, we're just part of this healing. I felt it resonate. That was beautiful. So it's, it's really looking at things at what they are and what the opportunity and the beauty is and what's being offered to us. It's our choice to look at things a certain way and be part of the whole, really. That's beautiful. Yeah. And everybody now wants to buy Love is Greater Than Pain and they all want to connect with you for a reading. So how do they get a hold of you, Marilyn? Um, let's see. I'll show you the book. I'm wearing a matching show shirt. There it is, everyone. <laughs> The, the beautiful young man who channeled in Love is Greater Than Pain, his favorite color is green. Um, and, and that's why I'm wearing green. And they the say that green is healing, is the energy it's of healing. very healing. It, it's very fertile in terms of expansion. And yeah, he's a real nature guy and he was into the trees and all of that. And he still is. Um, so, but you can reach me through, I have a website, MarilynCap.com. And you can reach me that way. And um and your book is on Amazon? Oh, it's, you can, it came out through Penguin Random House, and it's wherever books are sold. It's everywhere. Eventually, my fantasy of seeing it on the bookshelf, I think, will happen someday. But, you know, everything as I pictured it. It'll be it, online. 
show later. Maybe while people do Zoom interviews, I'll see it on the bookshelf. Everyone has a bookshelf behind them. So that'll be nice. But I had this fantasy of going in the bookstore and there it is. Well, it hasn't happened and that's okay. I'm just happy it's out there. And again, realizing now how much of it applies to what we're going through. There's so much in there about what if you can't say goodbye? What if you're not with them? What if, and I realize how clever they are, not me. I didn't know what they were doing, but I realized that divine consciousness was downloading stuff and figuring it out and figuring out the timing. And of course that's beyond my comprehension. I just trust. And when you trust that way, it seems like constant, constant synchronicities and a state of grace. And that's, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. And Marilyn Cap, what is your tip for finding joy in life? People like you. I'm all <laughs> being, being with people, higher vibration, being able to share this openly, being able to grieve with people because the pain is pretty terrible. And then finding an opening for joy. Laughter is one of the things that brings that vibration right up. So it's not about being in denial. It's about acknowledging, looking at it, exactly what you've done, all know what's there, feel that deep pain, feel that grief. And then even if it's only a tiny bit in an increments, choosing joy and understanding that the love doesn't end. It doesn't. It doesn't. They love us. They care about us. And it feels like we're kind of holding hands and skipping together through this as we expand. They tip us off to what they're learning. We do it back. If you go to a meeting, you get to hear about it. But the beautiful thing is it's happening all the time. Well, that brings to my mind uh, something my son said when I went through the accident and I was so devastated and so hurt and injured and went for all of this healing that I did and I had all of these experiences. And my son one day said to me, Mom, there's been nothing worse than watching you deep in despair and nothing better than seeing you being able to have joy again. And I always say to everybody, heal everyone, come on, you can have joy again. You just got to. But look what you taught him. You taught him how it's done. And when he's, you know, 100 years from now, when you're out of body, he'll have, he'll have your wisdom and he'll pass it on too. And that knowingness. And again, we have to cry and carry on. We have to. But when you know that, when you showed him that the choice is love and growth, even with the pain, incorporating and understanding yes. the pain, yes. you, you gave him that gift and he'll get to carry that forward. And that's what it's all about. It's like the domino effect of joy and love. It's absolutely true. Well, this is like the perfect place for me to go into an ecstatic conclusion here. So here I am. <laughs> about what a pleasure and a blessing it is having you on the podcast today. And I mean truly from my heart. Uh, I encourage each of our listeners to read your entertaining and enlightening book, Love is Greater Than Pain, Secrets from the Universe, because it does provide important proof that physical death does not end a relationship or the love it held. Thank you, my dear friend Marilyn, for spending this precious time with me and our listeners and here's a reminder, everyone, that you can see the show notes and all Grief and Rebirth podcast episodes on IreneWeinberg.com. And make sure to follow us and like us on social at, at Irene S. Weinberg on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. As I like to say, to be continued. Many blessings. And bye for now. Mm -hmm.